0: publish her podcast, episode 67. So ooh, this is a podcast that a lot of women listen to, that a lot of women who are interested in the rights of women and the advancement and progression of women. So I feel like it would be completely a remiss for me to not just mention what's been going on in our world in the last few days and I just want to say that I know a lot of you like me who are very very concerned about the advancement of women the advancement of minority women um, the advancement of all women and health uh, and safety of women as well not just uh, publishing but in general the well-being of women is so important to me I am absolutely gutted by the decision that was made not necessarily because of a feminist feminist agenda of My Body, My Choice, although I believe that is important, that you should be the only one and your doctor making decisions, but more importantly, that safe medical care should always be an option for us, and I'm very concerned about what will happen to those who don't have access to safe medical care, because we know that this isn't going to just not happen, because there's a law that says it can't happen, but... Uh, you know, the trickle down effects of this are, are huge and massive. And um, I mean, I could spend seven hours just talking to you about my feelings about this, especially because for those of you who don't know, many of you know that I lost an infant daughter, but many of you don't know that um, all of the health and advocacy and activism that I've been involved in for maternal health and infant health. And um, we spent a long time in the NICU. I've spent years working with the um, advocacy agencies trying to make sure that there are safe uh, protocols in place for maternal and infant health. And the problem is we already don't have the system to support that, right? So now you're also taking away the option for many people to end um, a scenario that now, if they're forced to carry out, is going to incur medical costs, hospitalizations, if the baby's born preterm, if there are any issues whatsoever. I mean, the trickle-down, it's just, it's tremendous. It's tremendous. It's not a one-sided issue. Um, and anyway, I don't want to go into the issue today, and and even though I just spent two minutes talking about it, I just wanted to say, if you're upset or frustrated Or feeling down right now. Right now is the time to take those feelings and to put them into action. There are so many ways that you can help and support. And and if you're if nothing else, you're writers. Use your words. Get out there, write articles, write content, write books, nonfiction, fiction, whatever you want to do. Get your words into the world and make people think about this situation and think about what's to come. I have some great ideas, um, and E. Danielle Butler and I have some ideas on things that we want to collaborate on. So use your words, and when you can't use your pen, use your wallet, and when you can't use your wallet, use your time. um, Mm. Do something. Do something. Get out there and do something. And if you supported it, Um, I have a hard time imagining there'd be too many people in our audience that would lean that way, but I would just encourage you, if you did support it, to really do some research on what's actually happening. I've seen some pretty um, ignorant statements by people, and I don't mean that in an ugly way. I mean ignorant in its legitimate word. What the word means is you're not, uh, these people are not educated on what they're speaking of, And um, there's a lot more to this situation. So I don't often bring politics into the podcast, but the reality is politics should be a part of our daily lives. It impacts us from the moment we wake until the moment we go to sleep. Politics impacts us as writers. It impacts what happens with our books and where we're distributed and taxes and uh, bans, book bans. I mean, politics is all around us. So if politics makes you shy away or get, get uncomfortable, Learn how to get comfortable in it because we want, we are not going to see any real change until people in this country learn how to, to actually discuss the, the things that are happening in our world. And discuss them with open minds and without turning to hatred and name calling and all the craziness that's going on around things behind it. But actually talking about what a policy means and how it's going to impact us. Because this policy is dangerous on so many levels. This reversal of policy, I should say. This reversal of a protection of a right. You guys, this is the first time a right has ever been stripped. That in itself, that in itself should be terrifying to all of you, to all of us. So there's a lot into this. And I'm sorry, again, I really do have a guest interview that I want to share with today. I don't think Sandy would be upset with me. Um, going on a little rant about this before her session, before her interview, because I know that Sandy is also as um, gobsmacked as I have been about what's been going on and as committed to um, women's rights as I am so... Without further ado, let me tell you about my special guest today. Well, I'll read her bio and intro in the actual interview, but Sandy is, this is a pretty cool interview because she... Um launched a non-fiction book and a children's book within a short window of time one of them was traditionally published one was self-published um and they are both around the same topic of of eco happiness and de-stressing and let me tell you if there's ever a time to go get and implement Sandy's book it's probably now it's for uh, families largely talking about how to introduce uh, nature and different things that can bring more happiness and stress uh, reduction into your children's lives by introducing them to nature and activity in nature so um, a very important topic and her interview is kind of cool because like I said she's got two very different genres but on the same topic for two different but same audiences um, published in two different manners so we talk about that we talk about her decision making and we talk about what the marketing has looked like so I'm sure you're going to get a lot from this interview it was very interesting lots of stuff happening and um Keep your chin up, ladies. There's still work to be done, but we don't get it done in silence, right? Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf.
1: Because I've been where you've been what you feeling and i don't want to get in your way
0: welcome to another episode of the publisher podcast today we are doing another author journey interview and i really love these interviews because i think it's super important for those of us who are in the process of writing and haven't published our first book yet to get an inside view of what life looks after beyond the launch and what's happening with all the things but i'm interviewing sandy schwartz today and hers is an even more interesting look behind the scenes because she has not only um, launched one but now her second book but she's a hybrid author and you've heard me talk about hybrid presses but a hybrid author is a little bit different this means somebody who's straddling multiple routes to publishing so she has been both traditionally published and self-published. So I think this is going to be a really interesting um, interview as we get into the process to do both of those things and challenges and the wins and all of those things. So let me tell you a little bit about her first. Sandy Schwartz is an author and journalist specializing in parenting, wellness, and the environment. Her work has been featured in the Washington Post, Scary Mommy, Chicken Soup for the Soul, and more. She founded the Eco Happiness Project to help families build a nature habit to feel happier and calmer by exploring positive psychology tools such as mindfulness and gratitude through a nature-loving perspective. Her book, Finding Eco-Happiness, Fun Nature Activities to Help Your Kids Feel Happier and Calmer, is filled with simple practical tips for parents to incorporate these tools into their daily routine to help their children thrive. Sandy has a master's in government on environmental focus from Johns Hopkins University so she's also very smart and specialization certificate in foundations of positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania she's an active member in environmental and writing organizations including the Women in Publishing Summit she splits time between Florida and New Jersey with her husband and two children and we originally scheduled this before your second book had come out so now you've published also a children's book about eco happiness and what is the name of that one Yes, Skye's search for eco-happiness. And that's Skye is the character, Sky. so Skye, apostrophe Skye, yes. S-K-Y. S-K-Y. yes. S-K-Y. All the
1: characters have names uh, reflecting nature, which
0: was fun. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, thank you for taking time out to be part of this. Um, I've been looking forward to this interview because obviously, uh, well, listeners don't know this, but we have a personal relationship. Um, you've come through several of our marketing programs, and and I've been really um happy to, when, when you first started through our program, you were still pitching publishers. So it's been really exciting to see you go through the entire process of getting um, accepted by a publisher, going through the publishing and then going through the self-publishing route with your children's books. So why don't you tell, um, tell a little bit about that story and what happened and why you chose to go the routes you went.
1: Yes, yeah, so uh, I definitely had to go back and and take notes on on the timeline because, as you well know, with the pandemic, everything sort of together. There,
0: there um, is no but, timeline; it all just happened in one big blob. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I guess I have to go back a little bit uh, further in history. Um, you know, when I moved to Florida about fifteen years ago, I started you know to to get involved in freelance writing, and then I started a blog, and and then, so my topics over at the time. You know, was about um, positive psychology and happiness and stress reduction. It was it was much broader, and then I decided. I think it was actually after a lot of your coaching and webinars to niche down, and that's when the Eco Happiness Project was born because I was a little too broad. So one of the mm-hmm. things that the biggest you know takeaway I learned was to find your niche, find your lane, and kind of stick with it. Um, but I one day, so I had been blogging about these topics, and I guess I always, I don't know when it was when I said, oh, my dream is to be an author. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know when that happened exactly, but I guess I realized I had all this content. I loved writing anyway, and I said, well, I might as well put this in a book.
0: Might I as think well. There
1: was, yeah, I think <laughs> there was a book I read, and I can't remember the author now, but um, How to Blog a Book.
0: Uh-huh. Yep, I don't remember the author either, but I've seen that. In fact, I think she was a speaker in our summit. Um, yes. It was Nina. Oh,
1: yeah. Nina. Nina, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So many years ago, I read that and I kind of started thinking about it. So, so I guess it was in 2019 when I joined um, Women in Publishing School after I had gone to my first WIP, uh, I always call it WIP, Women in Publishing <laughs> Summit. And so after the summit, I went right into the school for six months, I believe it was. And I just can't even tell you how much I learned from them. You know, it's every. It was just this platform, the jumping off platform to where I am today. And it's kind of cool that you know to see you know the transition and really everything that I have learned. So thank mm-hmm. you, Alexa, and your team and everyone who was involved because all the other authors too help yeah. provide that feedback. You know, and help. So yes, and then so I was in the school and I was also working on the. Nonfiction proposal,
0: book proposal. Oh, that's fun.
1: Yes, that <laughs> took months. We that say
0: laughingly.
1: <laughs> that took months. Although for me, I you know, I've never i I don't write fiction, at least not yet. And so I can't imagine spending years writing a novel mm-hmm. <laughs> and then pitching that. You know, at least I didn't have to write the whole book when I pitched it. That's right. So yeah, what 20 plus pages of the proposal? I submitted it to about 50 agents. See, I went back to check this data. 50 agents and 40 independent publishers.
0: Okay. So 90 submissions total. Okay. Good, good I, notes for stats.
1: Yeah. And I started with the agents. And because I figured start at the top, right? Sure. Um, and the feedback at the time, if I even heard anything, was really, oh, your platform isn't big enough. Mm-hmm. And I had blogged for several years at the time. So I knew like there was no magical, you know, overnight thing that was going to happen that all of a sudden I was going to have a hundred (laughs) thousand followers. (laughs) So, yeah, but I went through that whole process of of the agents and um, decided, oh, I could send it directly to publishers. Mm -hmm. And I, I like to tell people that that is a whole nother worlds that a lot of people don't realize they think it's either a random house and penguin or for self-publishing right
0: there's so, so much, much in between, in between. yes <laughs> great point
1: yeah so I always recommend to people Jeff Herman's book which yes with all the agents and all the publishers
0: <laughs> yes yes yes
1: and you also start to realize looking at that book um That so many of the small publishers have gotten bought up by the big, the big, what are they for now? I don't know if we're at four or five.
0: I think it's still five, but there's negotiations happening. Anyway, the big guys, we'll just call them the big guys since the numbers keep changing. And actually someone told me, total side note that has nothing to do with this, but someone told me the other day that now they're talking about seeing the big six because Amazon oh. is actually joining oh. in that, but that's just hearsay. So no one go quote, we'll just call them the big ones. <laughs>
1: It's interesting because you know when I was then later pitching, and I'll get into that later, but the uh, children's book I, book publishers, I couldn't believe how many little guys or that were under the bigger ones that you mm-hmm. were hands off. Like I learned very quickly, there were a lot less children's book into um, small publishers than the nonfiction.
0: Ah, interesting. I haven't done that research yet. That's super interesting, which for you children's book authors is very important to note because already I knew it was really hard for children's books to get picked up um, by publishers. So knowing that it's even a smaller number of publishers that exist is is really interesting too.
1: And more of them have been purchased by the big ones.
0: And in order to get to the big ones, you
1: need an agent. In order to have an agent, you need the platform. Catch 22,
0: right? All over the place. (laughs) So.
1: think it was about a year between when I started pitching the nonfiction book proposal till I I signed the book deal in June 2022 believe it or not right when the pandemic had started kind of kicked off the pandemic June 20
0: you mean 2021 I'm sorry 2020 2020 Say See, or you said 2022 then I said 2021 clearly it started in 2020 how could we March, forget that yes. oh my gosh yes okay March 2020 was when the pandemic started you signed your proposed your contract in June 2020 okay yes okay
1: with a small independent publisher that had that's been around for 40 years so yeah. um, I did have some talks with someone else who was much newer and interestingly enough a few months after, so that was June. I think it was in the fall, maybe even October and November of 2020. I started to hear from maybe two or three more that were interested in. It's so mm-hmm. like, oh, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and and one of them had actually shut down during the pandemic. Wow. Which, which and they were, they were a much bigger name, uh, but it kind of gave me a clue like, well, that's not a good sign if they had to actually <laughs> shut down and not take any new projects. So it all worked out, I think.
0: Yeah, well, that's cool. So what was that? I mean, we could always say so it's interesting, you know, um, I run a hybrid press and and the question that I often get from authors is, well, if I publish with you, and then a big publisher comes after me afterwards, will you let me go and I'm like, why are you asking me this question? If you, like, like, obviously, you know, it's, but to to your point of like, there can always be something bigger and better that comes along. So you have to think about, does this work for me right now? And is it a good decision? And, you know, so, so are you happy with the way your publishing process went? And I suppose you kind of have to say yes since you're still with them, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. From an outside perspective, it's looked like it's gone very, very well.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. For the most part, um, you know, things have been good. And, you know, what I tell myself is, you know, I guess you can't really look back, right? You can only make the decisions that you did. Uh, And I really, as you know, I I wanted to have a traditional publisher because it was my first book. Mm -hmm. It helped give me now this confidence to know, you know, that, oh, I can write and I can edit. And, um, when the, what was really cool to get the feedback is they really didn't have to do that much editing because I'm like already That's an nice. editor myself. <laughs> so, and, and I have, I do have a secret weapon, my husband, he's probably the best editors uh, editor I've ever met in my life. And I tell him <laughs> all the time, he should do that for a living and he refuses, but he's an amazing writer and editor. So it went through his system as well to help clean stuff up. But, um, and the editor, I had, you know, two rounds of edits. Mm-hmm. The first one was that more holistic general one, um, which they switched around a couple of things, but, you know, I was, I was prepared for chapters to get mixed or, you know, big questions like about my research polls or something. And and I was so relieved and I didn't have that, but the, ed- the editor sort of at the end that was checked every single link and detail wow. organization, he found,
0: he was amazing. He, he really cleaned mm-hmm. it up. You know. That's, that's really good. So that when you do have a finalized book, you don't have something that has errors just because someone assumed that the link you put in or the research that you put in or whatever was. So your book, when did it officially, what was the timeline like for you then working through the traditional process?
1: I had about nine months to send the manuscript and I ended up being a little early and that was kind of funny. <laughs> so you know me, I'm like the perfect little student, right? So. I, <laughs> I think it early thinking, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna get to it. And this whole process is going to go faster. And he was like, oh yeah. Um, we're all, you know, we have other
0: projects, there. right? You're not on Back the schedule. In months, yeah, I in
1: the schedule. <laughs> So then I kind of had this free time to figure out, well, what am I going to do now? But as, as, as I love to think, I always hear your voice, all the things, all the things. <laughs> so there was plenty to do as far as the marketing. Um, And then you just, you know, you wait and you get the feedback. And like I said, I was nervous at first, but relieved when it wasn't some major questions that I had to dig into. Sure. And the only other thing I can really say is that uh, we did have a delay because of the printing, the printer world. Mm -hmm. It was originally supposed to come out in March Mm -hmm. and you know, I had in my mind, been planning because you know my book is about the environment. It's about nature and mm-hmm. um, and mental the connection between nature and mental health. And so I thought all along I would be doing this huge launch of promotion around Earth Day mm-hmm. you know, for that was going to be like march twenty second april twenty second and it was pushed back to early May. and so uh, I just had to switch gears a little bit. But the biggest lesson, honestly, I learned when it comes to the launch concept is that. And and this is what my publisher said too. After his forty years of experience, he said, "It's just a day, uh-huh. and yep. especially if you're not Michelle Obama or Oprah Winfrey, right? Like no one's throwing a giant party with a right? <laughs> red right. carpet, right? And if, if there is a party, I'm going to have to pay for it. So right, right. Um, and that it, he said, drip drip." drift. That's how you explain book marketing.
0: Yes. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. And really, I mean, and because you do wind up, you have people that go in so hardcore, so full force, and then their book launches. And I've seen people just laid out. I mean, literally we had one person who marketed herself to illness because she just Mm. like went so hard and then she did nothing for months after that. And that is a huge mistake because yes, there's stuff you should be get, you know, bearing down towards in that pre-launch period, but it's actually that like, three to four months post-launch that's really important that you keep the momentum activity and all that kind of stuff going. So I'm really glad that your um, publisher had the foresight and the, you know, well, the experience, 40 years being in it, to, to make sure you know, you know, it is, the launch date is important, obviously, for a lot of reasons, with excitement and all that kind of stuff, but then continuing to slowly and consistently do stuff and build relationships and put stuff out there. Uh, so, at what point in time then did you decide to do the children's book? And I assume that your original publisher does not publish children's books, which is why you went the self publishing route or other reasons?
1: Yes. So, I did originally pitch him on it. Uh, they had like one on their website, but he basically, I guess that was years ago, and he said, you know, it's a whole other ball game, a whole other market. And he just didn't feel like he was, you know, up for that.
0: Smart so, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, gosh, again, I am I, not 100% sure when it happened. It was certainly after I finished writing and submitted the nonfiction book. But I said it dawned on me and it, it might have been from some of your you know, webinars and other webinars being like inspired by what other people did. And I was like, OK, it would be amazing to have a companion piece. That's a children's book. Mm-hmm. You know, the book is filled with activities. So bring it to life. Uh, for the kids and and mental health and you know all emotional well-being is such an important topic. so yeah. the children's book allows you know to sp- allows families and or teachers or just you know to spur that uh, conversation. yeah, um but I was like, I can't write a children's book. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a teacher. I'm not again, I've never written fiction. So I uh, called up on a friend who uh, is a teacher and specialized in social emotional learning and yeah, I basically gave her my vision, and she wrote the original uh, text, and then you know we back and forth edited it, and you know it morphed over the time, and then um, I kind of managed the the rest of the pro- the publishing process for the most part, and um, a lot with the illustrator, mm-hmm. and it was quite a, a learning experience.
0: <laughs> yeah, children's book, children's books are um, are very different different ball game than anything else out there. But what I love the most about this story is the fact that you had an idea, you didn't feel comfortable about doing it on your own. And instead of just saying, oh, I'll leave it to somebody else, you found another way to still see this come forward. And, you know, we've talked with several authors before about co-authoring books. I've co-authored numerous books. Like it really is a way To move forward on something you're not able to do on your own or don't have the energy to do on your own, and I would just say publishing can be such a and writing a book can be such a a lonely, isolating experience. How much fun to do that with someone else and to have another partner in in the whole process. I think that's great.
1: Yes, and the illustrator as well. You know, the way she brought it to life uh, was incredible. Yeah,
0: that's great. uh, Yeah, and this one just recently published, right?
1: Yes, and I had to learn <laughs> I've learned a lot you know it's all I went through Ingram and kdp, and I actually um just today am just looking into the fact we have a friend who um, does a lot of printing a printing business business, so i'm look interested in just getting a quote to see i don't know if you know you guys ever do that with your company you know doing your own private print run if and only if I were to maybe make a bulk sale of some sort, because mm-hmm. I'm kind of getting into that, and uh, I had recently posted on the, in the Facebook group about these you know bulk sales or um, you know, pitching to organizations or larger entities that would then maybe give the book away for free if there's some sort of funder behind yeah. it. And so therefore, you know if I can find a, a printer and have more control over the process, so there's a lot to this business that
0: yes learning for sure well it's interesting I just had a phone call with someone from Lulu.com the other day and they have um, they have a whole printing um, solution like that too for authors just in your situation that want to either sell books directly from their own website through e-commerce or want to run it so um but yeah, you can absolutely, there are all kinds of printing companies all over the world that you can um, very easily do a print run with. And of course, the more books you order, the cheaper it gets. So, um, you know, trying to, I would say if if that was an investment that you wanted to make, see if you can get some interest of some organizations and some kind of um, kind of commitment and then run the print run because it, you know. You won't want to order less than a thousand copies really to make it worth, worth the investment, which is kind of funny to say, because, well, I don't know, you could probably do 500. You could probably do 500 and still be okay. Um, And I can send you some of the printers that we use. Cause yes, with our children's books now we are, we are, we have moved entirely to, um, to doing print runs because it's so much higher quality than print on demand. And I mean, like with the children's a hardcover children's book. By the time you put it through Ingram Spark, and then you know put it out there with the with the retailer discount, the way it needs to be with returnability, with all those things, we're making like 30 cents a book, which is nobody's dream of, you know, all the money that for children's books, you know, all the money you put in into illustrations and formatting and all of that. It's like, yeah, we're going to have to make more than 30 cents a book on these. But anywho, that's a whole nother, another conversation that is a sidebar for our listeners today, but we can talk about more offline, but okay. So now, okay. So i'm just going to i'm going to tell on you for a minute here because you are a very active member of our of and this is it's a brag and a and kind of a using you as an example here but you are the perfect example of how to get the most out of a conference community because with the women in publishing summit we have a private facebook group that lasts the whole year until we shut it down before the next conference and you are regularly posting in there for feedback, for support. And that's that's great. That's exactly why we create that group because there's so many people in there that have a different knowledge base that can answer. And you've gotten some really great responses from people because there's 900 people in there that have different backgrounds and experiences and knowledge and connections and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's been, it's also, I like to watch what people, what questions people are asking and especially people that have gone through my programs, you know, what areas they're really struggling with. But what I wanted you posted just a couple of days ago about the difficulties that you are having and seeing the book sales and how hard marketing is and how you're looking at some other, Um, outside of the box type marketing experiences. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit because this is is like the real reality of publishing a book. Like you do the work, you have a great book, you're so excited, you get it launched. Yay, it's gonna be amazing. You've done your pre-launch marketing, you've done your marketing. And then sadly, what often happens with people that don't have large audiences, which this, by the way, is why agents are so interested in platform size, is that sales just stop or they dribble down to very, very little. And now you're throwing into this, like, what do I do? How do I do? What am I going to do? So back to you, um, what is it that that made you pose that question? What's been going on and what types mm-hmm. of things are you looking at to, 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 to you know, to, to do some interesting things that's not traditional marketing?
1: Okay. Well, I do want to say that when I, and I had to remind myself why, where I was starting off from. So my whole goal mm-hmm. of all the time was I had the nonfiction book and I knew that was going to have more support and legs. Sure. And I do know, um, that coming into the launch, the release day, I am just at about almost a thousand pre-orders, which for me was my goal. Like of my goal, children's book. No, no, this is the, of of the, of the
0: book. nonfiction book. Okay, great. fantastic. And
1: And that honestly, when, when I thought about goals for, for my book, and I'm talking the parenting book, it was, if I can sell a thousand copies of this book in its lifetime, in my lifetime, then I've won, you know, or I, you know, I've reached success. And you did that in pre-orders. That's amazing. I was pretty shocked, you know, now I got the data and I think this is interesting is that only about a third was from Amazon. Mm Mm-hmm. A bulk is from libraries.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So Especially is, that type of book. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is where it's leading me. And then when it comes to the children's book, I have been a bit disappointed. But my goal along was that you know people would have the parenting book and then want more and yes. then buy the children or the children's book. I have the coloring book that the children's book turned into, which is a good tip if you have an illustrator who will yes. easily turn it into a, a coloring book. Throw that up there too on your website or Amazon. Um, but you know, the legs haven't, you know, it hasn't started quite yet. Right. So, um, I never really, and even you said to me, well, you know, Sandy, you never really, you're not a children's book author. Like you didn't go into this thinking you were, and I really, you know, it was this add-on. So I couldn't expect to be, you know, you hear about all these other children's book authors and they're selling, you know, all these copies. So, So I had to take a step back. And then at the same time, I've also, you know, been hearing about these bulk sales, like Brian Judd and his Mm -hmm. book, how to make real money selling books, which I just have. It's very thick. (laughs) Um, So I'm starting to think out of the box instead of going, you know, spitting my wheels on Instagram and Facebook all the time and going directly to the consumers and the moms, which I'm doing a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Doing a lot of podcast interviews, which we can talk more about too, because that's been easy and fun. Yeah. Um. But now I got to think, and I, you know, getting some feedback that other people have success. You know, going to organizations or companies that have money to spend and want mm-hmm. to, you know, pay it forward as far as helping, you know, the cause. So this is about mental health and kids, right. and that is a hot topic now. So I'm yes. really hoping that there's Something out there that can that someone would not want to buy multiple copies.
0: Well, I think it's a great idea. And first of all, your plan of how the pieces work together, I think is perfect. And you just need more time. You just haven't had the time to build up the audience yet or that, you know, enough people to read the book and, and the library strategy is awesome, but it takes time too, because you got to wait for people to check out the book and then want more and all those kinds of things. But I think in terms of like building a funnel that makes sense, like that's perfect. You have a book that inspires parents to learn more about you. And then they find you have a children's book and then you have, you know, you you have all these other things so i think i really feel your book is somewhat like my first book which was for grieving parents like it it takes a little bit of time for that to happen but then it it kicks into place and it becomes you know a staple in that particular um knowledge base so i, I think with consistent actions you're you're going to see the things come in out of that but then with the outside of the Box and and working with organizations like this is a really important um, consideration and for children's books too. Getting into the schools, so maybe obviously we've already passed Earth Day this year, but if I were you, I would be reaching out to teachers in the December timeframe asking them in January timeframe, asking them about author visits, um, and earth day activities and things like that. Cause that would be really a great author visit to come in and not only talk about the, the beauty of the earth, but also how we can connect to the earth to calm down, yada, yada. You're smiling at me in a way that says you're probably on this already, but this is for the benefit of the audience then. Um, so, but to your point, like, for me as a grief writer, as an example, when there are, um, everybody, there's so many types of subscription boxes out there, right. And not even subscription, but like care package boxes. So there were organizations that were sending care packages or doing deliveries for grieving parents. So I connected with a few of those and did book sales into, um, into a, an organization like that, where they would place an order for, they weren't huge, obviously, thank goodness, because of the nature of the, the, topic but um they'd place a couple hundred at a time order them directly mm-hmm. from me I'd get them and ship them to them and they included them in their packages so that's one way but then like thinking even like um psychology groups um, mental health groups conferences things like that like even going outside of the bulk ordering thinking about where could I potentially be a speaker in front of the audiences that I need to get in front of and how can I come and talk about it and then sell my books afterwards so yeah I mean it's really the, the it takes a lot of work and energy and effort and putting it into it in those first few years, but once you start getting known in those circles or people are like oh i I got this book and I'm using this book, and blah blah blah, then word of mouth kicks in, and that's just that's where we're trying to get to, right with all of these things, yes, and
1: I think a big lesson in this whole process and I, there was a day I was feeling a little bummed out. It was a month after the children's book came out and I was bummed, you know, that it wasn't selling more. And my husband said exactly what you said. It's like, tell, call, tell me in a year, like come back to me in right. one year. And so as an author, and, and this is the hardest part though, you, every, all of us have been working on these projects for years already. Mm-hmm. So when you put it out into the world, you do expect the magic right. to happen. And And that's where, you know, that's the biggest lesson of the author writing world for me. You know, I used to write blog posts, which were instantaneous or Mm -hmm. freelance articles that, you know, take a few weeks and they're posted or whatever. This is many, many years. It's something you're dedicating your life to. It's a mission. It's a passion. Yeah. And the only way to really make it happen is if you do have the time and energy to put into it. And and, so true. yeah. And spending money too. I mean, that's been a challenge is I always ask myself like, okay, do I really want to spend the money? Like there's a bookstore. Some woman's hat opened a children's bookstore in Colorado and she's charging authors $50 for her to sell the book, to even have it placed in her, in her wow. store. And I was like, this annoyed me, I, but I controlled, my, I didn't like write anything. You know, I was just, I just let it go. But I just thought, this is getting, you know, this is interesting that you have to pay to even play, that to even get in a store they want you to pay. And I just, there's a lot that you have to juggle in the marketing yeah. world of books. It's like, is this a good payoff? Like, for me to rent a table for $200 and to sit at a where, an art festival and not sell, and sell 10 books, you'll never, you can't even pay for your lunch, <laughs> right. You really have to evaluate what works.
0: Well, and, and to that point, I was going back to the bookseller thing. I think that's going, we're going to see that more and more and more for a couple of reasons. One mm-hmm. COVID hit bookstores so hard and they are just trying so hard to, to hang on, but also like it's, it's actually a smart revenue stream for them because they have so many authors coming in and asking to have their books and things like that. I think it's really, I think it's kind of a it's smart from them as an author. Yes. It's annoying. And I don't want to have to pay to play as you say, but then you think, okay, well, my book's going to be prominently on display. What else marketing could I, where else could I spend $50 and get the return on investment to have my book on display prominently in a, you know, whatever. So it, with anything, with any marketing, you like have to consider like, what am I actually getting and how much would I have to pay to get my book in front of those people through other things? And then to the second part of that, what was the second part of it? <laughs> I, the, I sidelined myself there. What was the next thing we were talking about? Um, oh, you you forgot too. Maybe it'll come <laughs> back in a second. Okay. Yeah. This is the, the like, there's so many ideas running through my head as we're having this conversation, because I mean, you are bringing such a, su- such a wealth of like things to think about in the author life, like what you're doing and where you're going and how you're doing it. But that at the end of the day, like there is an investment required because there's so, there's so much on the marketplace, first of all, that you have to do something to get ahead a little bit, but, um, you know, for me, when it comes to making an investment in the things that are going to be long-term investments, I remember what it was now, going and getting in front of people. So the Mm -hmm. way to mark, the way to make those worth your, your investment, even if you only sell 10 books is to make sure everybody who comes by your table gets a postcard or a bookmark with your information on it and the book title or a sticker or some, or coloring page or something like that. So that it has all the information on it so that they come in there and that you collect people's um, email addresses. So I'm gonna go back way old school here and share something that I don't talk about ever practically. But my friends and family know this is that I used to um, get easily drawn into MLM companies. So at one point in time, I was a Pampered Chef consultant. I sold Usborne books. I did um, Jamberry, (laughs) like I did all the things. Right. And, you know, It was annoying to my friends and family because I was always trying to get them to have parties and things like that. But I learned some really important marketing things going at at like direct sales marketing. And one of those is the power of the giveaway. And to have some kind of giveaway where you ask people to fill out a piece of paper that has their name and their email address and the key is put a little box because we all know about email rules put a little box that says check yes i agree to receiving emails from this person um so that you can at least add them to it and um and the and way you make sure you're double safe is that, you know, you, um, add them to like something that they have to double opt into, right. Or something in, or, or have them check or initial that they, yes, you can be added to their email list or whatever, collect all the email addresses and then do a, a giveaway and send out a couple books to a few people off of that list. And then say, you know, I'm sorry that you didn't win this time around, but, um, Go to your life, and this is the other thing, like yours, especially through your traditional, but through all of them, encourage them to go request it from their library or their local bookstore. Mm-hmm. Because when you do that, that puts the book on the radar of the people who are ordering books. So you don't even have to ask them to um to buy something because for cold audiences, that's really hard. You can say, Go ask your librarian if they can get this book for you if you want to learn more or whatever. So that's what you have to think about, these places where you spend money to be at the those tables is how can I make this worth my time and energy, even if I only sell five books or 10 books. And that's really where I would focus on is getting email addresses, getting people to, um, to giving them a card that tells you, like, I don't know, since you're doing like high for you, I would highly encourage that you started some kind of like YouTube channel where you do weekly, um, short, nature exercises or something like that, where you show parents how to do it. So you could, that would add to your, yes, your workload of all the, all the things, as you (laughs) always hear me say, all the things. But if you get them over there and they're participating in that, they're subscribing to your channel. And then, you know, there's lots and lots and lots of ways to bring them in in unique ways that will take years maybe before you see a book sale. (laughs) Let's hope not, but, but bring them in in different ways so that you're not just another person at a vendor that they passed and forgot all about as soon as they went past your table, you know?
1: Well, um, I will say that I definitely think, you know, a good tip is to ask people to request from the library. And mm-hmm. I also realized, and you probably could explain the system, but, you know, my books, both of them, now that they're through Ingram, are appearing on all kinds of independent everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they're everywhere on their websites. Yeah. So now it's—I know they're probably not on the shelves, but you know they would need to get a request almost. Right. So it's a—it's almost like you need to hire, or, you know, beg a friend or you know a, a grandparent sitting around or something to be like, hey, can you call this list of twenty stores and ask request my book in libraries because you know it's really mm-hmm. like it becomes that um, word of mouth. Uh, situation but you know all these stores have access to the book it's just a matter of is it on the shelf or not
0: you laugh but that's exactly what we tell our authors to do to have all their friends and family go to their local libraries around the U.S. and request that the library and get that book now with the bookstores it's a little trickier because if you go in and request a book you actually have to buy it so (laughs) like they don't just request books to put in the store. But if, if people are planning on, especially those of you who are trying to get away from the Amazon and want it more in, in retailers, if you have people that you know, are going to buy your book, your closest friends and families. I mean, that's a great thing to do is to ask them to go into their local, local, and it doesn't have to, it can be indie bookstores, but but Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and places like that too um, request a copy and 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 book events. I mean, we you talked about like the, the other thing that bookstores are starting to charge for is book events. We had one large um, bookstore in Colorado when we were um, helping Laura uh, Laura Formattini with Twenty One Olive Trees set up book signing events in places, and the one particular store said it would be a two hundred dollar fee from the publisher. And she had to sell $5 tickets for people to come in. And we were like, okay, that's a bit, that's a, that's a bit much. And, you know, we think that there's a couple of reasons for this. This is just me. Like there's, I never asked anybody, so I don't know for sure, but I think it's a couple of reasons. One, trying to make up ground lost during two years of being closed, or at least a year of being closed for many of them. And two, they're calling out because they get so many requests, they are just reading out anybody who's not serious. Because if you say, yep, I'm willing to pay $200 and sell $5 tickets, that means you're willing, you probably have a lot of people you're going to bring, you're willing to do the work and all that kind of stuff. So um Yeah, You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's hard. And you've experienced this, that it's more than just putting your book out for sale. It's more than just even sending out some flyers and making it available. It's more than having an advanced reader team. It's like it's a very there's a whole lot of things that have to work together and and are consistently done over time to get you to this place. Unless you magically run across the right person, and they tweet about your book, and you sell you know a hundred thousand copies because Renee Renee Brown or Reese Witherspoon told everybody they have to get your book right. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna
1: say luck does play a bit into it. Um, the other thing I I learned actually recently. So on the weekend after Earth Day, I was invited to a table at a uh, county library event. Uh-huh. I had a beach cleanup. What was great, it was free. Um, uh-huh. And they actually supplied like the arts and crafts. And I just uh-huh. was able to, uh, I wasn't supposed to sell my books, but I was like there and I had my bookmarks. And at the very end, I actually sold a copy of the children's book. And that was exciting because she had <laughs> the first time I got to sign a book, you know, so that was an experience. But the cool part was the librarian is going to be ordering multiple copies of both my books for future giveaways
0: that's awesome.
1: Because, so, um, and also I had a couple other librarians come up and approach me and one, they they mentioned speaker fees. Uh-huh. So I'm now kind of getting clued in that these library, you know, they have
0: a budget,
1: they have a budget. Libraries <laughs> have budgets. You think it's free there and you're not making money because it's not a book sale, but it actually is a book sale. Yep. And then they're looking for events and they're looking to pay authors and they like to do giveaways. So I am definitely going to be um focusing on that and and I was fortunate enough to kind of connect with a group that um is all they 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 connect with all those libraries that are doing the um the book walk, the um the, the the book walk which is out, outside. Uh-huh. And uh, they take children's books and then it's like this
0: nature walk. Oh, fun.
1: Have,
0: yeah, story walk. That's the story one. walk. Story I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. That's cool.
1: Yes. And so, uh, I, you can find out who has Storywalk programs and I'm like creating a database of that. And I'm going to be contacting all of them because they're already interested in nature.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I can pitch them my, my parenting book. I can pitch yep. them an event and I can pitch them to, to use my book in the story walk because a lot of times they switch out the story
0: every month. That's really, that's really cool. I didn't know anything about that, but I know a couple of people who who would be benefited to know that information. So that's very cool. Story walk. Um, so, you know, libraries, yes. Back to, they do have a budget for programming and you can, um, one of my Chrysalis Press authors, my only Chrysalis Press author actually, um, because it's a brand new company, um, she wrote After December and Before Pittsburgh and After December is set in Herndon, Virginia. And so she actually pitched the library there a workshop to talk to mm. about writing books set on your hometown or something like that. I can't remember if that's exactly what the what the workshop was, but they paid her to come in and do this workshop. And then they did actually allow her to sell her book at the end of the event. And she did so well. They've invited her back a couple of times to come do other workshops. I have another writer friend um, who is working with, teens to pull to that want to write books so doing workshops on helping teens creative write, and she's got an entire series booked out with a library where they are paying her so the point of this is think Mm -hmm. about what you have to offer to your community it could be directly about writing or it could be about nature and you know not about the writing process but about how to include more nature for stress relief into your life or things like that but we all have something that is pitch worthy of of a, of a workshop and just think about what that might be and go ask your library or your chamber of commerce or the local, you know, whatever you have going on around you. If it's, if it, it, if it's a topic that they would be interested in hosting and yes, you should expect to get paid for those types of things. But like you said, if it's for free, often there is long-term benefit to it. If, you know, if they're, if they're doing something like that. So Man, Sandy, we could talk for days like there's just this has been such a great conversation, pulling out such wonderful nuggets of information and advice and tips. And um, I guess I would just say, keep at it. You're doing all the right things and it feels frustrating, but you'll get there and you, it, the books are obviously good. Um Congratulations on that big launch and all those pre-orders! So, where can people primarily? Where do you want to send people to your website, Amazon? Where do you want them to go to find them? Well,
1: the website's
0: best because I have some freebies there. I have a free quiz, I have a free Eco
1: Happiness Challenge calendar, tons of blog posts, and the website is
0: ecohappinessproject.com ecohappinessproject.com. Love it. And that will be in the show notes in case you can't write that down or immediately go to it. But I'm I'm really excited to have watched your entire process unfold. And I'm so glad that And we'll, we're going to have to have you back because I think we could delve into a whole lot of other topics. But um, <clears throat> thank you. I really appreciate it and hope this was a good interview for you too. <laughs>
1: Thank you. And I also want to let you know that um, you're in my acknowledgements, your organization. I, I Yeah, I was thinking about, it. I wonder how, it would be a fun trivia question. How many acknowledgements, you know, is Alexa in? It, you know, I, I shouted <laughs> out Women in Publishing because, uh, and a few other key organizations because as an author, as a writer, you need the community. And even if for me, it's mostly virtual, <laughs> it, it's great for me. You know, I love it.
0: So thank you for everything you do. Well, thank you. And I will definitely buy, I always buy our clients books. I haven't gotten an opportunity to get yours, but now that I know I'm in the acknowledgements, no, I'm just kidding. I will, I will get my copies too. I, I really like to, um to, to at least be one sale in your record of sales. Right. So, well, thank you, Sandy. And I, and we should have you back in a year where we can say, talk about all the wonderful things that have happened in that past year, but all right, everyone, um, you can head over and get the show notes at women in publishing summit.com forward slash podcast, where we are keeping all of these show notes and head over to ecohappinessproject.com, correct for yep. all of Sandy's stuff. And we will see you in our next episode. Thanks.